Welcome to More to the Point, the extended interviews between KGB Texas Communications and innovative leaders working to create positive consequence in our communities. We hope you find them inspiring and informative. Joining me today is A.J. Rodriguez, Executive Vice President of Texas 2036, a nonprofit organization building long-term data-driven strategies to secure Texas' continued prosperity for years to come. Prior to joining Texas 2036, A.J. was CEO of the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. He was an assistant city manager for the city of San Antonio former Vice President of External Affairs for Zachary Group, where he oversaw the organization's community investment in philanthropic efforts, media relations, and government affairs. His experience bringing business and civic leaders together to address community challenges led him to join Texas 2036, which we'll talk more about in our episode today. I hope you'll enjoy our conversation with A.J. Rodriguez. If you're uh, if you went to uh, took Texas history in seventh grade, then 2036 ought to mean something to you. But tell us about yeah. uh, Texas 2036. No, absolutely. Um, what the organization is and the work you're doing. No, my, my pleasure, Jonathan. And thank you again, Jonathan, for for having me. And uh, very much appreciate uh, all the work that KGB Texas does in the community in San Antonio. And uh, just so happy to be here in my hometown. I'm usually working in Austin, yeah. you know, three to five days a week. Uh, for the organization that you mentioned, Texas 2036. I'm very proud to have joined the team with a, a stellar group um, with Margaret Spellings, uh, President and CEO of the organization, former Secretary of Education, right. and of course Tom Luce, who founded the organization. And uh, Texas 2036 talks about our bicentennial. It's, uh, it's about ensuring that Texas is the best place to live and work uh, by our 200 year birthday here in Texas. And so I'm very excited about it. So we're 15 years away. What are the focus areas? What does Texas yeah. need to do to be successful uh, well, by those measures in 2036? We're 15 years away, and the way I like to look at it is we're also seven sessions away. Right. And that's uh, that's kind of the the premise of our work. Uh, we're nonpartisan. We're a nonprofit. Uh, we're we're focused on education and healthcare and natural resources and infrastructure and justice and safety and government performance. And those are kind of the pillars of what we feel are the areas of focus that we should have, uh, along with 36 aspirational goals. I suppose if we were Texas 2026, it'd be 26 aspirational goals. But we have 36 aspirational goals that are within those different policy areas. And and we feel, um, based on the metrics and the data, and we like to lead with data to inform our policy, uh, that if we focus on the right facts and bring legislators to understand what those facts are, then the political ideologies uh, should try to dissipate in those in that type of an environment. And that's what we're trying to focus on and bringing those groups together uh, to understand what the real issues of Texas are and how we can move the state forward uh, to be, again, economically prosperous uh, and have a high quality, a quality of life for all Texans. And by the way, this is the first time I'm representing a group that's interested in all Texans, not just a specific right. interest. So it's really exciting as well. Well, you talked about the core, your, your pillars, and, and one of the areas you mentioned was infrastructure. As we're filming this, we're, we're only a few weeks past the 
the winter storm event and the power outages. Um, what did that event reveal to you and to Texas 2036 about what our state's priorities need to be? You know, it's a, as Winston Churchill used to say, never let a good crisis go to waste, right? And that's essentially what our founder, Tom Luce, has, has said to us. And so you're right, the energy crisis, energy in general, was not on our agenda, <laughs> our plate going into this particular legislative session, but I promise you it's in everyone's plate now, especially after what we experience and, and the unfortunate uh, loss of life that uh, our state experienced uh, was just um, so, uh, so tragic. And so I think there was breakdowns in several different areas, if you think about it, Jonathan, from everywhere from upstream to midstream to downstream. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of a perfect storm in, in regard to all the, the breakdowns that happened. I mean, something is as simple as some of our generation units having backup fuel right. on site uh, could have solved some of that. Um, and, uh, you know, you had issues with transmission and apparently our, um, you know, renewables, you know, was, it was quick to be looked at as, as one of the focus areas, but that's not necessarily even thought about in a situation like this with base load, from what I understand. Uh, but it would have helped if they had stayed online to, right. to help supplement what happened with gas. So yeah, it, there's a, there, there, we're going to have to peel this onion. I mean, legislature's going to have to do that uh, in many ways. And there's absolutely some short-term fixes, but we also have to harmonize short-term and long-term fixes uh, with ensuring that we don't jeopardize the advantage that Texas has had right. as an energy producer um, and uh, also an, uh, an attractor of business and people uh, because of our energy rates, right? So ultimately those costs will be passed down to the consumer in some form and fashion. So what's the, the appetite that consumers will have in terms of that price point uh, to ensure that uh, we don't necessarily have to prepare like a Minnesota does for their weather and yep. their winters, but we do uh, need to be, we, we have to make sure, as my dad said, that something like that never happens again, right? It's just, it's unacceptable for us to have loss of life and uh, go offline, a complete disruption with business and our economy. I suspect that if I asked Tom Lewis or Margaret Spellings what issue they had the most passion about, it would be education. <laughs> By far. Uh, they, they are well known for their dedication to education and education reform. What, what do you think the big challenges are for public education in the state of Texas? Well, there's lots of challenges, uh, especially with pandemic. And I think this, uh, this, that particular crisis is what formed our legislative agenda in, in many ways, the, the, the type of loss and things that we've experienced with the pandemic. So COVID learning loss is a real issue that we've got to deal with. Uh, our legislative agenda points to broadband and the digital divide right. and, and uh, creating those opportunities for education and also telemedicine and healthcare. So it's not just education, but telemedicine, healthcare, business, all relies on digital connectivity. So that's one of our primary focus areas. I think maintaining the progress that we made with the state legislature last time around on HB3 uh, and the tenants that that produced and the outcomes that we won't see uh, for and that's another the, 15 years. <laughs> and that's the state putting more money into, into it, the public education system, buying down the the property taxes. That's right. And and also just trying to up our game in terms of our quality, in terms of our deliverance of education, mm -hmm. our education system. Uh, so that's definitely an issue. I, one of the things that we've put out there is a report on oil and gas and how 
um, the, the energy market, oil and gas, if, if we continue at a certain rate or decline, uh, that certainly can produce some, um, some outcomes on the revenue side with our education system right. that we've got to be prepared for. Yeah. So again, be, being prepared, you know, the energy crisis is something we didn't necessarily see coming. The pandemic isn't something that necessarily saw coming. But we can certainly imagine, you know, something like um, $35 oil per barrel right. um, in the future. So how, what are we doing to insulate uh, and mitigate the damage that could be caused uh, to revenue loss with education? Uh, one estimate I saw is uh, $10 billion in loss from our per, uh, permanent school fund uh, over the next 15 years if uh, oil um, remains at a very low, low level and decreases over time. So what are we doing to mitigate that? Again, talking about lessons learned over the last year, you mentioned how important um, access to broadband is. And that digital divide has affected people in urban settings and rural settings. It's affected you know, minority communities, uh, especially Absolutely. Uh, in terms of educational opportunity and, and healthcare. How do we how do we close that digital divide? How do we close that gap? Absolutely. I, well, and, and you mentioned the rural communities where you know three million rural residents don't have access to infrastructure. Mm -hmm. They pay four times the amount that urban residents have. Urban residents, there's a million that don't subscribe to broadband for a variety of issues. Uh, and if you look around, you have many communities that might have 99% coverage in terms of infrastructure to broadband and access to Wi-Fi. Uh, but they don't subscribe, so adoption's right. low. So digital literacy is absolutely an issue. Uh, ad those adoption rates, uh, ensuring that we're uh, giving the material, the, techn the technical or technology rather, in order to access the internet. Some people can't afford that. So how do we, we, we believe at Texas 2036, uh, and we created a coalition called Digital Texas that has now 36 organizations that broadband connectivity is the farm to market road of the 21st century and we've got to make that happen for for our economy and for for our citizens for better quality of life so think about you know a junior that goes home with his his uh, new uh, ipad and right. he's able to access uh, the internet but he's also able to show uh, abuelita how to access her prescriptions right he's also able to to show dad how to get on the texas workforce commission side or, or find other opportunities, yep. and so there's. It, it's not just a. It's not just junior, you know, getting his A's in school and B's in school. It's about. Uh, it's really kind of a, an empowerment tool for the entire family. And you mentioned, especially those families that that have a, a disparity, right, yeah. in, in terms of their economic well-being and welfare. Well, that's a great motto, it's the farm to market <laughs> road of the of the 21st century. You should see our logo, it looks like a farm to market road sign. <laughs> nice. So. Um, you've got, so, you, you mentioned some of the great leadership you have at, at, at Texas 2036. Just mention a few of the board members who are from San Antonio. Oh yeah, I would love to. So we're, we're very fortunate uh, to have an incredibly diverse board and team for that matter, our staff. Uh, and I'm not just talking about uh, faces, but diversity of geography yeah. and uh, ethnicity and race, and most importantly, diversity of thought. And I think our uh, our three uh, members probably embody that very well. Uh, and that's Graham Weston, you know, founder of, of Rackspace, who's on our board. Elaine Mendoza, of uh, Conceptual Mind Works, who, who, by the way. Um, uh, was also my chairwoman when I was at the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, so 
So we go back, and then Cheryl Scully, who I was uh, her deputy uh, city manager for uh, almost four years uh, with the city of San Antonio. So she's on our board as well, and former city manager. We're we're very fortunate to have all three of them. And Elaine also a member of the Board of Regents for the Texas A&M so University is, System. So is absolutely an important item for us as well, and it's definitely because of Elaine's influence on our on our legislative committee and otherwise. I need to wait for the birds. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though. <laughs> so one of the series I did was South Texas Birds, and I did a, I did a, a painting of sparrows. Sparrows? Yeah. But I, I used the the colors of the sparrow, but changed their form. You know, we're, we're, they're they're probably thinking you guys are intruding on our place. Exactly. <laughs> right. All right. Well, that that's actually a good break because I know you're you're an accomplished artist. And uh, talk about your your journey as an artist. When did you realize you had the talent, and when did you really get serious about it? Well, first of all, I appreciate you putting quote accomplished in front of artist. <laughs> and uh, I, I'd like to joke with my friends and tell them that if if I was just an artist, I'd definitely be a starving one. But um, I, it's been phenomenal, Jonathan. The the journey I've I've always always drawn. I mean, ever since I can remember, always painted, always drawn, always uh, have love the arts and um but i have to say that i i really when i was towing the water for the longest time and i finally took the dive after i took a leadership class over at zachary called creative leadership and it was really a a period and an opportunity of introspection for me and it i really uh it, the the premise of the class is you go in and you just work on yourself that no, don't work on don't think about the business Focus on you know what you can do and ensuring that you've got a sense of purpose and uh, and I really kind of uh, uh, leaned into that um, and as a result one of the outcomes there was many others in my mind but one of the outcomes was uh, you know my deliberate intention to focus on my artwork. So that's really in the last ten years. It's a, it was actually in 2012 when I took that uh, course and uh, then um, and it was a six month course and it was one week at a time you we left over to uh to uh bernie and we spent time and and uh and just like i said focus on ourselves and as a result of, of that i i felt like if i'm going to do this and be serious about it and have the discipline around it then i've got to i got to go all in and i've got to make it a business because i knew if i made it a business i would have the, the discipline and and responsibility to ensure that it keeps going over time as opposed to these stop starts uh, which has been my had been my experience beforehand, and uh, and it's been terrific. I've just been so honored that people uh, love the art, and they and there's collectors out there that's that are picking it up, and um, so it's just been terrific. It's been a real honor, and and um, I've, I've been very grateful about that. When we talked the other day, you mentioned some of the art that you've got in your new offices in Austin. <laughs> that's right. So we actually created a partnership with the Texas Cultural Trust. Uh, Heidi Marquez Smith is a very dear friend, and uh, uh, her and Margaret worked together in the uh, Bush administration. Mm -hmm. And she's a CEO. And we um, we had all these great blank walls. Uh, we're actually in the UT administration, UT mm -hmm. system administration right. building. And so uh, you know, I, we proposed, hey, can we do a partnership? And they said absolutely. And so now we'll have uh, Texas featured theme art by Texas artists in our office location in Austin on 7th and La Vaca 
for six month periods at a time and we'll be featuring a virtual show right. so to speak of that art and uh, and also uh, have the art available for anybody who wants to purchase it uh, all the proceeds go to the artists and are between the this collectors and the artists but it's an exciting partnership and and the first artist uh, happens to be a very dear friend Jesus Toro Martinez uh, who uh, also I rented space from in his gallery uh, and, and studio uh, and painted there many of my, my uh, works that I did and shows that I did. Uh, but I would also just say, you know, the, the San Antonio art community is incredibly gracious and, and just so helpful and supportive. And uh, I don't know how it is in other communities, but I hear it's not like that in other communities mm -hmm. where someone like me with a business background and a, a you know, MBA comes in and... Uh, and wants to start painting, right? And but the receptivity was incredible. I mean, yeah. people like uh, George Schrader, you know, he, him and I remember our conversation at breakfast at Aniador, and he was just telling me the do's and don'ts um, in, a, in his own George style. And then, you know, you have people like Arturo Almeida, who's the UTSA art curator, who just incredibly supportive. Uh, did one of my larger first shows as well and uh and then bill fitzgibbons who i've done a show with over at doc space gallery and he's he's a san antonio icon uh, an artist and he saw value in my work and and put me out there uh so you know they're they, they're taking the plunge right along with you and i just think that's so um incredibly uh it's very san antonio i was going to say the same thing it's yeah. just it's so it's the virtue of San Antonio to be that with that level of authenticity yeah. that you can't replicate in other cities in my mind. You talked about uh, virtual art shows. How else has the pandemic affected the art community here in San Antonio or across Texas? You know, it's been I think it's been incredibly challenging, um, but also, you know, every reaction has an equal and op opposite reaction. And, and I think the arts community is going to thrive as a result of this experience. Uh, Obviously, it's been painful for a lot of artists out there that haven't been able to show their uh, work and, uh, and mm -hmm. get out in the community. It's obviously a disruption, but at the same time, there's been more time for, like I mentioned earlier, introspection. There's more time for being at home and doing more work. And I think we're going to see a surge, you know, after we can get back to semi-normal here uh, or normal, I think we'll see a surge of new talent, new work from artists and existing artists, and then new talent and new work from new artists. And so I'm excited about that for, for San Antonio. There is an intersection of, of arts and economic development and quality of life and, and in placemaking and making San Antonio and Texas a place people uh, want to, where, where they want to live, where they want to do business. I know it's, it's not, the arts is not one of the pillars of Texas 2036, but it, it nevertheless, plays an important role, right? Well, absolutely, and I, I mean, I think we address that with our quality of life okay. within our 36 goals and, and, and economic prosperity, right? I, I don't think you can have uh, either one without the, without the other, and I think the arts as an industry into and of itself is an economic huge development. E huge e economic yeah. impact. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, it puts food on the table for lots of people, and uh, it certainly uh, has tangential benefit to a community in terms of attracting and retaining uh, people's interest uh, from our incredible assets from all the museums that we have. Right. Rich, Rich Asti does an amazing job over at the McNay um, and uh, everything that's happening at the Witte and the new developments and the way they're modernizing uh, the new Children's Museum. All, all those really lend uh, to San Antonio. And I would also add 
it's it's not just the arts, but also all what you see right here and all, and all the public art that's featured with some right. of our natural settings. All that is um, the activity that you see to here today. Uh, folks walking up and down the river. Uh, that that's about quality of life, and it's a, and right now, especially due to the pandemic, a lot of people can choose where they work. You know, people can obviously choose where they work and how they work, and so place sense of place uh, and space is really critically important to attracting um, you know high quality talent and and uh, staying good business form so I, I'm, I'm really excited about all the developments that San Antonio has made and also um, ensuring that the arts are part of every capital improvement project right uh, is a percentage I think that's um, and and, and I'd like to see that amount raised at some point uh, for artists. Well, AJ, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for the great work thank that you. you're doing at Texas 2036. We're going to have to check in with you over the next 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> we may have to make this an, an annual segment and get progress reports. But well, well, ha um, happy to do that. Great organization. It's a worthy effort. Thanks, thanks for that. Thanks for your, your work in the arts community. And thank you for joining us on The Point. Thank you for listening to More to the Point. If you have any questions about this episode or want to learn more about our company, please visit us at kgbtexas.com or email us at podcast at kgbtexas.com.